Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. It's Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Audrey, this is a special Tech Vibe Radio. Is it? They're all special. But this one more so, we are in Duolingo's new headquarters here in East Liberty, which we're really excited about. Nice open space. Yeah, I mean... Clean, nice open space, movable whiteboards. Highly focused people looking Did like... Do they have a margarita machine? They want to get one, but they don't have one. Ah, ah. And uh, we'll get to that later in the show. Ah, okay. <laughs> we will get that I later in the show. I just wondered, okay. Exactly. There, there could, margaritas could be had. But uh, we're just excited because we sometimes like taking the show and bringing it to the folks that we want to interview. Just to get a better feel for what they're up to, what they do, and how they do it. And Duolingo, as you know, Audrey, you know this company very well. You know the founder and CEO very well, Louise Vaughn on. This is, Tell yeah. me what you know about, about Louise, because well, we're going to be dedicating an entire show to Duolingo. Oh, which, well, don't start tripping me right, up on that. Exactly. There's a lot to, to learn from a guy like him. All I can tell you is that there are some people who refer to him as the father. He's... Is he old enough? Yeah, he's old yeah, enough he can be the to be the father of crowdsourcing based Absolutely. on his work with CAPTCHA and ReCAPTCHA in particular. That was existing before Duolingo. And, you know, there now when you think of crowdsourcing, I mean, that's part of our everyday yeah. language. And we forgot there was a time when that didn't really exist. Right. And, and so who would have thought that it would have morphed out of his original work? So, you know, there's so many things that he coined, this whole thing of what's called human computerization. He coined that, and that's sort of uh, the ability to delineate what's real, and you can okay. do two, you know, so that you're not a robot, and that you're okay. actually creating right. another way to solve a problem. So, like what he did with digitization of books. So, anyway, I think uh, it's cool. It's here in um, Pittsburgh, and uh, like a lot of things in Pittsburgh, we hang our hat on a lot of of great people doing great work, mm-hmm. and uh, this. Being originating here with what, I don't know, 50 to 80 languages that they're working on or is pretty incredible. I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, with their new headquarters, before they were in Shadyside, you could drive past their building, not know that behind these walls here at 5900 you know, Penn Avenue in the heart of East Liberty, that you have probably, what, 70, 80, some of the region's smartest people here developing this app and building this really transformative app that really comes down to doing some social good, which is to provide some free education, free language learning. And uh, for us to put a spotlight on that, I think is just so awesome because Pittsburgh needs to be proud of these companies. We are home to these types of companies. Louise chose Pittsburgh to build this company. He could take this company anywhere he wants. Right. And and he's brought the amount of talent that he's brought to the city is quite profound. I'm looking out here now. We're in a conference room with these nice glass windows, and I'm seeing all these people just working. They're plugging away. And to me, it's just like that's not just the future of Pittsburgh. That is Pittsburgh now, and that's because of folks like Louise Vaughn on. 
And uh, now, Audrey, you have some experience using Duolingo. I have not downloaded the app to use it to learn any languages, and I'm feeling inspired to do so. Oh, you totally should. Which if I think is just so cool. If people haven't downloaded Duolingo, you really need to. It's it's easy to use. It is um, very intuitive, and it actually leverages every single side of your brain in terms of language learning. Right, right, right. So did you ever take a language growing yeah, up? Absolutely. What, French? French. And so how's your French? It's awful because I haven't used it in 25 years. But it's, it's actually, was it ever good? It was never good because you just memorized. Right. And it was more and about so speaking it. And so didn't you run it, it like just, a story was, and then that story you right. tried to remember? Exactly. And so then any kind of applied learning in there You would became, take vocabulary tests so you would know what word meant what. Right. And you'd learn to conjugate some verbs. But you didn't get a whole lot of the actual speaking of it and interacting with it. Right. And you didn't get to, right. And who criticized your um, the way that you spoke French? Father Flozen Logan. Flozen <laughs> Logan. Yes, when I went to Strake Jesuit High School, which is cool. That's cool. In Houston, Texas, he uh, taught us French, and I said bonjour, bonjour, and uh, he immediately took would smack you no much, that's a jesuit not, not quite they smack me that. they weren't into the violence there but more of the mental violence of making you feel like a complete you know moron for not having said it properly but me oh being, you had yinzer in you back then too not much as i was in texas at the time but it was just enough to where hey you're a 14 year old kid you're you're not going to be too suave <laughs> so but i was quickly reprimanded as that they never say it that way but, well i don't know show me how and his app shows you how it's important. Yeah. It's not even just shows you how it actually reinforces your learning over time. And it actually allows you to talk. Right. And get feedback into your phone. Which is into your phone. Into your phone, which is just so amazing. Buenos dias. <laughs> Buenos dias. No, dia. <laughs> they were like, incorrect. Buenos nachos. <laughs> right. But, I mean, you know, it's important for us to learn Spanish. It's important for us to have... You know, this kind of capability across right. all different languages, all different kinds of people. I agree. Yeah. So it's it's very exciting. I'm, I'm excited. So I, I can't I'm, – A, I'm so glad that, like, Louise is giving us basically a full hour of his time to talk about not just Duolingo, but what it means to be, you know, uh, an entrepreneur in Pittsburgh – you know, just covering all the different angles of what it means to have Duolingo here. And I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm fired up, and it's going to be a good time. Plus, we're camped out here, hanging out with all the smart kids. I like it. I know. I'm hoping some of this rubs off on me or something like that. But <laughs> <laughs> what, I'm, what, I, what I find amazing is from what I, rumor has it that hundreds of thousands of people a day are downloading this app. Like, literally, at minimum, 100,000 people a day are downloading the app. And just the numbers are just amazing. And was, I think it was in, in 2013 voted the app of the year through the Apple oh, App might have Store. Been. Might have yeah, been. I mean, it's just, this, this app's won numerous awards over the years. International recognition, and Pittsburgh calls it its hometown. So It's way cool. So like what else man. is going on on the street these days? The street these days? Well, it's summertime, Audrey. It's summertime. It's summertime. And, and, and I think the activity does not slow down. You know, we released, we recently released some of our state of the industry information, and uh, we were, we talked about that a few shows ago. But I'm still trying to uh, talk about. We, we we talked about you know the state of venture capital activity, and Duolingo was probably single-handedly responsible for at least a third of our venture increase of 150 million dollars extra. In that, yeah, in that probably. two-year period, we went from that, 343 yeah. to 500 million, and I think Duolingo accounted for a big chunk of that. And so, you know. 
capital is important. Capital is what helps these companies right. scale and launch and market and all the things that they can't necessarily do while they're trying to eke away building their product. Right. So I think, you know, the other thing is that um, the airport, the airport has brought in some new Frontier Airlines. Frontier. How cool is that? And OneJet. OneJet. Right? We actually got to talk to the CEO, Matt right. McGuire, and I think we're going to schedule him to stop by the show in the very near future. I told him, I said, you're changing the face of aviation right. seven seats I mean, so at a what's time. the vision for OneJet? Basically, seven-seat jets that you can get a seat on. So we can go to Harrisburg? You go to, uh, not Harrisburg, but I believe you can go to Hartford. You can go to, is it Cincinnati? And there's a couple other, it's all within about 400, 500 miles away. Okay, nice. Just to, and they, I think they're trying to consider a Harrisburg flight as well, too. Not should be announced awesome. yet. But the idea that, like, you can, A, get through security a lot faster. You can get onto a jet that's a luxury jet, for crying out loud. It's got all the amenities, and it's seven seats. So it's... You can split the ride. You can split the ride, and uh, it seems like a cool way to really shake up how business gets done in the airline world these days. I, I think it's a very cool concept. And what I thought was interesting, Matt says they wanted Pittsburgh as a, as a town to prove this. Like we could go to San Francisco and do this, New York city and do this. That's cool. But he's like, we want to prove it in a market like Pittsburgh because, because we know you're up and coming and that people can well, use the airports, you know, is working ferociously. Absolutely. On trying to make sure that Pittsburgh has the kind of flights that we need they're relentless. so that people can get here. So they're relentless. And what about Frontier? And in Frontier, I mean, let's go to Colorado. Let's go to Denver and do it on the cheap. It's just all the more flights, more accessibility. It's great stuff. So uh, Pittsburgh, great things are happening here even in the summertime. We don't slow down. That's why we're here at Duolingo's offices. And, Audrey, we're coming back with yeah, don't go Louise Vaughn on. Do not go away. This is going to be a tech vibe to remember. Simple as that. So, hey, learn more about the Pittsburgh Technology Council by going to pghtech.org. We love helping tech companies succeed, companies like Duolingo. Uh, this is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Hey, everybody. This is Tech Vibe Radio and not just Tech Vibe Radio, Audrey. We've been looking forward to this for a very long time because we are dedicating an entire show mm. to Duolingo. Well, to Duolingo or Louise Von Ahn? Both. It's like Both? it's like it's like one and the same. I can't separate them apart. Well, I, I think we can. We'll, yes. we'll separate. And that, well, that's apart. the point of the we're whole show. Separate. That's why we're we're taking not just a deep dive. We've done those in the past, Audrey, but this is a super deep dive. Well, he's got a lot to say. So, he does. welcome to the studio. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we know you're a busy dude, and to take an hour out of your day to uh, talk about yourself, the company, is a big deal to us. And we're really excited to expose you to Pittsburgh. I want people to know when they're driving down Penn Avenue, they see 5900, your new HQ here. There is some totally mind-blowing stuff going on behind these walls, and they need to know that. So we're doing that today. Hey, Louise. Hey. So great to be here. you got the new space. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. We just moved in. It is really awesome. When I think of you in Shadyside, where everyone was like on top of each other and, and all those creative juices that were coming out of you were definitely exploding. Yeah, yeah. We well, the creative juices are done here. No more. <laughs> They're done. <laughs> but but we're in a nice space now. You're in a beautiful space, <laughs> and it's great the work that you're doing trying to help build not only your company but Pittsburgh. So thanks for that. But let's get back down to some basics. So there might be people listening, which is hard to believe that they don't know what Duolingo is. So maybe just give tell us this the pitch of Duolingo. 
Well, if they don't know what Duolingo is, then I, I don't want to talk to them. Okay, then that's I'm fine. Kidding. I agree. I love them. I'm that's kidding. Fine. I'm kidding. Who are you? Uh, a, lot, a lot of people don't Come know. Come back once you've read about us. Uh, no, no. A lot of people don't know what it is. So it's, it's basically it's a, it's a mobile app, mainly a mobile app, but it's also a website. And it, it generally, it's a, it's a platform for learning languages. Um, we launched it four years ago uh, here in Pittsburgh. Um, and since then, it's grown a lot. We are now the most popular way to learn languages in the world. We have over 150 million users. Um, there are there's a lot of uh, funny stats about it. Um, there are, for example, more people learning languages on Duolingo than there are people learning languages in the whole U.S. public school system. Oh my goodness, um, that's 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 amazing. Yeah, and so we wow. we have we have a lot of uh, here's another interesting yeah. one. Uh, we teach we teach a lot of languages. We teach uh, Spanish, German, French, etc. We we also happen to teach some smaller languages like Irish. I actually didn't know Irish was a language. I didn't know yeah, it was a language I just either. <laughs> I thought you kind of well, it's a, it's a language. It, it's not a very popular language. Um, most people in Ireland speak English, uh, but some people speak Irish. There's uh, 94,000 native speakers of Irish. But on Duolingo, there are a million people learning Irish. Wow. So have, <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, so we have more people. And uh, that number goes up every St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> they're like, hmm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so these people, they think they're Irish. Um, so we're so the other thing to say is it's um, it's a very mission driven company. So our, our goal has always been to provide free language education to the world. And so that's the big thing. It's it's free. It's free. It's you a, just download the app on your phone and start learning it's a language. One hundred percent free. And and the reason we started it that way is because um, we've you know what we've wanted to do is provide the best quality of education to anybody, regardless of how much money they have. This is this is what we've wanted to do. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, when when we started working on Duolingo, um, we, we we started thinking about the, the the language education market, which is a it's a pretty interesting market. So there's um, learning languages is actually huge everywhere in the world except for the U.S. and the U.S. is not very big, uh, but it's because it doesn't need to be. I mean, mainly what people are learning is English. That's the main language really? that people learn. Yeah. It's not so, Spanish? No. Well, in the U.S. it's Spanish, but in the world it's right. English. It's English, right. It's English. Makes sense. Uh, so there's um, there's 1.2 billion people in the world learning a foreign language. That's, that's a very large number. Uh, of these, uh, two-thirds of them, so about 800 million of them, satisfy three properties. Uh, first, they uh, are learning English. Uh, second, the reason they're learning English is in order to get a job. Uh, and third, they are of low socioeconomic conditions. Okay, so most people learning a foreign language, they're basically learning English in order to get out of poverty. That's what's happening in the world. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, now, when we launched, kind of the irony of it all was that um, most of the ways there were to learn a language, uh, especially with computers, were very expensive. So, like, there was Rosetta Stone, which was about right. $1,000. Yeah, um, he was going to jump $1,000. Right. Uh, there's uh, Open English, which is another one, um, which is about $1,000, etc. So, it seemed that in order to get out of poverty, you needed $1,000, which kind of makes no sense. Is, right. um, so this is why we wanted to do a completely free way to learn languages, and that's what we launched. Um, and since then, Duolingo has remained entirely free. And um, at, at today, the, what's most, uh, what makes us the proudest is that there are – so we have, we have um, entire countries where their um, public school system uses Duolingo to teach English. So – Colombia, uh, Costa Rica, uh, parts of Brazil, uh, and Guatemala—they so cool. use—they use—they uh, use Duolingo now. This is the public system in in these developing countries usually. Uh -huh. Now, if you're a kid that goes to a public school in a developing country, that means your your family is usually very poor, right. because in developing countries the public school system is not very good. Right. So, if you have any kind of money, you send your kids to a private school. Right. Okay. So, uh, we have on one end of the spectrum we have. Uh, 
support children in developing countries using Duolingo in public school systems. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, Bill Gates uses Duolingo to learn uh, right. French. And so this right there is what makes us the proudest, the fact that the richest man in the world is using the exact same system to learn a language as uh, you know, people with low socioeconomic conditions. And so that means that more money cannot buy you a better education, Which and that, that's that's what we want. That's wanted. the premise. That's, 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 that's the, whole, the whole point. Yeah. So then, how do you make money then? What, 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 how do you make money? Uh, it's called a Ponzi scheme. Have you heard of it? <laughs> I've heard of those. So that Ponzi scheme, <laughs> writing that one down. I've yes. heard of that? It's good. Uh, I, I recommend Ponzi it as a business Italian. model. Ponzi is Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I recommend it as a business model, it's pretty good. No, I'm kidding. We uh, we sell drugs. <laughs> of course. Drugs. Of course. Second way to do it. Yes, exactly right. Which is perfect. Uh, no, the real, the, real, uh, the real way in which we make money is we um, learning a language in Duolingo is entirely free. But if you want to get a certificate that you know a language, we charge you. And you need oh. that certificate. For and you need that certificate for right. certain things. Right. So, for example... Um, uh, and in particular, a certificate to, that you know English. I mean, for all other languages, the certificates are useless. Uh, but a certificate that you know English is pretty useful. That, get, very useful. that punches your ticket to get that job, right? Yeah. Um, so about $10 billion a year, not on us, but $10 billion a year in the world are spent by people proving that they know English. Wow, $10 uh, billion. Yeah. So, for example, if you, are, if you live in a non-English speaking country and want to come to the U.S. Uh, to, for college, you have to take a test that proves you know English. If you want to get a work visa I anywhere in the Commonwealth, uh, right. like the, the, the UK, you've right. got to take a standardized test that proves that you know English. Right. Wow. Uh, so there's a lot of these tests that people have to take. Um, they're usually pretty expensive. They're about $250 each. And they're, um, they're also this, these standardized tests. They take, um, th the idea is that you have to take them in a, in a testing center. Mm -hmm. I've seen those. Yeah, right. yeah so mm -hmm. you have to totally. take it in a testing center. It costs two hundred and fifty dollars. Um, now, this sounds kind of annoying, but most of the people who have to take these tests are in developing countries, and where two hundred fifty dollars is uh, a lot of money to take a month's salary. Yeah, right. right. And secondly, um, these testing centers are not in every city; they're right. only in the larger cities. So usually, people have to travel right. to take a test. Which is impossible. Uh, so right. it becomes ridiculous. So we have our own version of a test that you can take from a mobile from a mobile app. And it costs $50, not $250. And that's how we make money. So, you know, the other thing that you didn't talk about, which is the thing for me that I've learned about Duolingo, is that I thought I knew Spanish fairly well. And mm -hmm. I think I've told you this before. But what really was, was so helpful to me, out of all these years taking Spanish, having grandparents who speak Spanish, that it really allowed me to talk. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a piece in there about talking and dialect, and as you know, that really makes a difference when you go to other places. Yeah, yeah, so we have a speech recognition technology that you talk to the app and it tells right. you whether you said it correctly or right. not. Right, yeah. and it will say to me, no, no, it will stop me. It will stop yeah. you and just Yeah, okay. I will just say, no, that wasn't it, no, but then it does some other things that takes you back to another way. Okay, Audrey got stuck on speaking, but now we're going we're gonna to take her back to reading. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And... I find that so clever in terms of learning because, you know, you talk about people who are all kinds of learners and there's kinesthetic learning, and you've been able to do an amazing job by embedding all these different dimensions of how we learn. Without a doubt. And that's the feedback that I hear from people because they wouldn't get that from a Rosetta, get that from a tape, get that from being in class. It's very rote. Sure. Yeah. So, so my we hats spend off to you to yeah, try to you. understand the psychological kind of behavioral learning that takes place in terms of Duolingo. 
So, Audrey, we got to take a quick break, but we are coming right back with more Duolingo and Louise Vaughn on. This is why we're doing a full show, because there's so much to talk about. We're <laughs> just right. getting started right now, so everyone keep your dial tuned right here to Tech Vibe Radio, because we're coming back with more of this great stuff out of Duolingo's headquarters right here in East Liberty. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. We're from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back, everybody. So glad you kept your dial tuned here to Tech Vibe Radio. As we said before we left... We are back here with Louise Vaughn on from Duolingo. Full show. Full show. Triple deep dive, Audrey. No messing around on this one. We need all the time we can because there's some great conversations going on here. And before we left for break on the last segment there, Audrey, you were talking about how you Yeah, just the learning methodology. learning methodology. Yeah. Right. But I want I want to like switch gears for a minute. Let's and do talk it. about Double you know, clutch you it, were man. Born it and raised until college in Guatemala. And Obviously, uh, I don't know if you went to public or private school, but I think I recall that your parents were physicians. Is that correct? My right. parents were physicians, yes. Or, phys- or mm-hmm. are physicians, right. But think, what was life like for Louise in middle school, living in Guatemala? Did you have dreams of moving out of Guatemala? What kind of kid were you? Um, I was a pretty nerdy kid, I think. Unsurprisingly, I was a nerdy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, at age eight, I really wanted a Nintendo, and my mom got me a computer instead of a Nintendo, <laughs> and I was really pissed off. <laughs> I was uh, really pissed what off. I wanted was a Nintendo, <laughs> uh, but that's all I had, and so I had to figure out how to use it in order to play games, um, and that's kind of how I got into computers. And I was like the only kid at the time. I was, and at the time, and at the place in Guatemala, I was the only kid with a computer. Um, so that got huh. me really into computers, and. I didn't know if I was, I mean, I didn't know that I was going to leave the country or anything. I just kind of like computers. Um, yeah. I, I went to an American school, uh, right. which at least that made it so that I could speak English. Um, but otherwise... Did you learn English when you were in Guatemala? Yeah, yeah. yeah I learned English I in, uh, as right. I was very young. Yeah. Right. So you went to an American school and then you never went back? To Well, no, Guatemala. I went to an American, sorry, I went to an American school in Guatemala. Oh, okay. Uh, they, ah, have, okay. they have the American right, school the American in Guatemala, school. which is okay. like where, like, you know, the... Whatever diplomats kids go and whatever, yeah. So I Mm -hmm. went there. I was very lucky to go there. So were you thinking about when you, what you might want to do by the time you were in high school? Mm, Not, not much. I, I mean, I, you know, when I was in high school, I, I don't know. I, I thought I wanted to go to college somewhere. That's what I knew, but I didn't know if it was going to be in the U.S. or not. But eventually, I. It was a funny thing that happened. I was in. Um, my junior year of high school, and then um, somebody from Duke University came to uh, to my high school, mm-hmm. and they were recruiting, and they kind of essentially filled out the application for me. And I oh, was really? Like, All right, really? well, I guess I'll go. And <laughs> You're making it so easy for me. <laughs> I mean, eventually, you know, I they kind of I had to take the SAT and stuff right. like that, and then I got in. But it was it was kind of unplanned. They kind of kind of coerced me into doing that. <laughs> did you go to any other schools? I, I mean, apply to I any other not. schools? I did not. You it did just, not? You only happened. applied to Duke? <laughs> yes. And there it was. <laughs> nice. That just happened. So it was pretty funny. That's awesome. That's pretty funny. Uh, so, yeah, that, that is lucky. I mean, but otherwise, I could probably... I probably would have just stayed one extra year and maybe figured out because it was there's no culture of applying to college in the U.S. in, in Guatemala. That was just not in the culture, so... There's not. But yeah. you obviously were encouraged. Somehow you were supported. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the... Um, uh, yeah, my mom was very happy that for me to leave the country. At the time, it was, well, it still kind of is. It's, it's pretty dangerous. Um, people get kidnapped all the time, et cetera. Uh, right. So. Yeah. Right. So it's a good place for you yeah. to be yeah, in yeah, North happy, Carolina. Yeah. And we're yeah. glad you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. We so, think it's a good thing you're here <laughs> in, in Pittsburgh on but top did of you, that. Did you think that you, well, you were in Duke? I mean, I know you went on to school and, you know, 
finished your PhD, but did you think that you wanted to start a company? And no, I did not think I wanted to start a company. I actually, what I thought I wanted to do was to become a professor. And I did become a professor here at Carnegie right. Mellon. But sure. I, um, that's what I thought I wanted to do, just become a professor. I did not think I wanted to start a company. So, so how'd what, you stumble so, into that? Then? Right. So what shifted for you? Because, and this is back to my whole thing about, are, are you born an entrepreneur? It was is a it complete happenstance. Um, I, was a, I was a professor. So basically, after Duke, I went to Carnegie Mellon to get a PhD in computer science, and I was getting a PhD. And then um, I, I decided to be, stay as a professor uh, at Carnegie Mellon. And in my first year as a professor, I um, was working on a project that um, basically the project is this um, thing called reCAPTCHA that I mm -hmm. that I did, where the idea was, it's these distorted letters that you have to type all over the internet right. whenever you're buying tickets on Ticketmaster, etc. So I was working on that project, and um, it was used by all over the it was used by all over the internet, and this was something that was served from Carnegie Mellon servers at Carnegie Mellon, right. and it was used by all over the internet, including some commercial institutions, and you know my department head at the time kept on saying. Hey, um, uh -huh. it's a little weird that Carnegie Mellon is serving, you know, uh, <laughs> these, th this part of the registration for all for Facebook. So Facebook started using it to, to register to Facebook. You had to type these distorted characters. It was all being served from Carnegie Mellon. And they thought, well, it's, it's a little weird that you're doing that. Do you want to uh, spin that off into something else? <laughs> yeah, and, and I was like, no, I'm servers, just kind of a professor. It's get your own fun. servers. <laughs> um, then, but the idea with reCAPTCHA was that, um, so the reason those letters are there are to make sure that you're a human. So the idea is that... Um, Humans can read those distorted letters, but computers can't do it as well yet. So uh, the fact that you fill that out proves that you're human. Right. So, for example, in the case of Facebook, the reason you have to type it out is to make sure that uh, nobody can write a program to obtain millions of Facebook right. accounts, for example. So that, that was the main purpose, but this recapture had a, a secondary purpose um, and that many people didn't know, which is that um, as you are, uh, you know, it, it started out, you know, it started out normally as just as a as a security mechanism, but then it started being used by essentially every website in the world. Um, and uh, at some point, I I realized that about 200 million times a day, somebody typed one of these. 200 million times so a I, day. Yeah, wow. I, I was. That's stifling. Uh, yeah, I, I I was very, at first I was very proud of myself. Right. I mean, yeah. right. But yeah. then I started feeling bad because um, usually these things are pretty annoying. Uh, typing these distorted characters is pretty annoying, and then uh, it also wastes about 10 seconds of your time. And if you multiply 10 seconds by 200 million, you get that humanity as a whole is wasting right. like 500,000 okay. hours every day right. <laughs> because of me. So <laughs> Thanks, thanks Louise. Louise. Yeah, thanks geez. you. So, mm -hmm. so I started um, feeling bad, and then I started thinking, can we make use of these 10 seconds for something better, for something right. good for humanity? And, and that we started doing that. So what we started doing is we realized that as people were typing these distorted characters, they could be helping us digitize books. And okay. so the idea was the following. Um, so there are a lot of projects out there trying to digitize books. So, for example, Google's trying to digitize all of these books. And what happens is they start with a book and scan it. Now, scanning a book is literally what it is, is it's taking a digital photograph of every page of the book. Right. The next step in the process is, so you're, there you're left with one picture for every page, and these are pictures of words. The next step in the process is that the computer needs to be able to decipher all of the words in these pictures. But for older books, the computer cannot recognize many of the words, but humans can. Right. So what we started doing is we started taking all of the words that the computer could not recognize in uh -huh. books that were being digitized, and we started sending them to people in the form of these CAPTCHAs. So whenever they would get these distorted letters, these were actually words that were coming from books that the computer could not recognize, and we were getting what people were typing. They were helping us to digitize books. How many books were translated? A lot. Translated? So, well, so at, 
what happened is I was at Carnegie Mellon and we had this idea and we started doing it. Um, at first, we were doing it for public domain books, so this was not right. no yeah. money was given. But at some point, the New York Times approached us and they said, "Look, we have this humongous archive um, of all editions of the New York Times for the last you know hundred and some right. years. Wow. Um, we need to digitize it. Can you digitize it for us?" Uh, and hey, we're willing to pay you. And <laughs> we're and, and and it was actually you know they were willing to. This was a, you know five to ten million dollar contract, and at that time. Uh, I had a talk with the Carnegie Mellon, the nice folks at Carnegie Mellon, who were like, "Look, you're not, at this point. You're running a company inside yeah, the university. You are, right, you, right. About you can't do that anymore." Uh, so you mean I have to start a company. As, yes. Wow. So basically, we started a company, and we didn't need any funding because we had our first contract, right. which was a multi-million-dollar contract. So we kind of started a company, That's and then crazy. we were in the process of digitizing the New York Times. We were doing, we did several. Uh, we did a lot of years, several decades of content for them that we were digitizing. And in the middle of that, um, Google actually approached us because they were also trying to digitize all the books. Right. And then they said, look, what you're doing is very useful for us. So maybe can, can we buy you? Buy you? <laughs> uh, can we buy this company that you seem to have started, right. even though it's kind of a <laughs> university project? You're like our stuff's still on the servers in Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, it really was. We'll like get it that. off there and give it to you. It really was kind of <laughs> oh like my that. Goodness. And so they, they, they acquired us. And so that, that happened. It became a property of Google. And at that time, yeah, I, I had that was a company that I had started. I, I liked it. And so I thought, um, you know, I would like to start another company, and this is kind of where it started with Duolingo. That's so, such a cool so story. Do you think so? In your case, that was happenstance, accident, being smart, being clever, so some of the right things at the right time. Do, do you think that people are born having a tendency to be an entrepreneur when you think about what you're doing right now? I. That's really hard to say. I. I. I, I don't know. I don't know. I. I <laughs> that's really hard to say. I mean, I, I'll tell you. I've. Many things about being an entrepreneur do not come naturally to me, and I've had to learn them. I right. mean, some things come naturally. Yeah. But what's, what's been the toughest thing for you to kind of pick up and, and say you got to do because you're building this company? And uh, firing people. Oof. That's the worst thing. Mm -hmm. I, I've had to do that, and every time it is awful. Yeah. I, I can I'm I I get uh, I, I, I I don't sleep for several days before I, I have you, to fire somebody, etc. Oh. So so that type of thing I, I it doesn't come naturally to me. Right. Basically the the HR slash people management thing doesn't come very naturally to me, and so I've had to learn it. But people like working for you. Yeah. They do. Um, right? I think. Yeah, I, yeah. they do. Um, I think that they. Uh, I think the the key here, well, at Duolingo is we're everybody. Everybody's very friendly with each other, and I the key. I think the key for why people like working here is um, we're very selective about hiring, and we do not hire people who are not nice. That's really key, and we've had we've had to, we've interviewed yeah. people who were clearly you know top of their class at right. a top university, nice, etc. But right? they were not very nice, and we we definitely we turned down probably about um, so you know when when we're hiring here, so our, our hiring funnel is is, is pretty impressive. Right, um, so we have, we have we um, have we get about one thousand applicants per hire. Right. So we get one thousand applicants and then out of those we end up hiring one person. Um and of those, um about about twenty percent of the people that we would have made an offer we don't because we don't think they're very nice. So they don't what's pass your the sniff nice test. But yes. wait, what's your sniff test? And we got for about nice, a minute before we go. Nice not, oh we yeah. we have uh we have lunch with them here when they come uh -huh. and then you know we start just talking about stuff. Uh, that's not related to work or anything. Okay. And you can tell. You can, uh, you can tell sensitive. that people start, you know, 
uh, a little you know, the, the common problem that we see is people being very full of themselves mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty common mm-hmm. um, and you you can quickly tell whether they're going to be pretty full of themselves and we just don't and no that's, that's been, good I was just yeah. curious what the not nice test is yeah I mean it's not a it. it's not a hard and fast rule but right. we just at the end we have a hiring meeting and we sit there and we're like yeah I didn't like that person so mm-hmm. Audrey, we're having way too much fun, but we gotta take a quick break. Okay, we'll be I love right this. Back. We're talking about the sniff test for working at Duolingo, how you stumbled upon starting companies. It's <laughs> too much good stuff going on here, and we have more of this coming your way here on Tech Vibe Radio. More with Duolingo and Louise Vaughn on. Hang on for our next segment. This is Jonathan Kirsten. And this is Audrey Russo. We're from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org and follow us on Twitter at pghtech. We're back, everybody. Our final segment here on Tech 5 Radio with Louise Von on and Duolingo. The whole show dedicated to Duolingo because the company is just that cool. If you want to learn a language, Duolingo. costs nothing, and you can learn a language pretty quick. And there's many of them. How many languages, Louise, do you guys have? Um, like 80-something? Yeah, a it's lot. It's ridiculous. Um, but today, and in Irish. fact, yes. today we are launching Hebrew. Aha. I just came from a thing. Yes. Look at Audrey's all fired up. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, really? Yes, yes. The Jewish community is very happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> all all the Jewish kids who did not want to learn Hebrew, I know, they're now learning awesome. Hebrew on their phone. <laughs> yes. Wow, that's great. Yeah. That is awesome, man. That's very, very really cool. Awesome. I have like goosebumps over that yeah. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's this awesome. Is, uh, so, Audrey, we've had some really cool conversations going on here. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about Recaptcha, his first company, and, and how he just kind of started that, like not even trying to start a company, and then he sells that to Google. And starts Duolingo four years ago, and we're talking about like really hundreds of millions of people learning a language using your app. That's just amazing. How many people to reach a day, real people. quick? How many people a day sign up for Duolingo? Or sign use, or how many use, new users per new day? A um, uh, couple hundred thousand. A okay. couple hundred oh, thousand a day. Yeah. Just the size Good. of the city of Pittsburgh. God, yeah. yeah, I get it. It's like every I day totally the city yeah. of Pittsburgh signs <laughs> up for Duolingo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So let's let's talk about the business a little bit, yeah. like of Duolingo. So, you know, there's all – everyone's got their opinion about what, a, you know, the right ingredients are of a critical company, right? You know, their success, it's their location, it's their investment, it's the talent that they're attracting, it's – you know, uh, it's the exact location, et cetera, et cetera. So you've like really debunked most of those ingredients. You've not taken any local investment. All your investment comes from outside the region. You have people who have come here from all over the world who come (laughs) to work here. They want to work at Duolingo. You have been able to take your company and take it to the next level of scale uh, against sort of against all those odds. So what do you what do you think are some of your ingredients then? I, I you know I get asked this question all the time what the ingredients are I I don't actually know I you don't uh, know I think That's working fair. hard I think we've worked really hard I think we've I mean we've made you know we've made a lot of mistakes along the way sure. um, right, but I think to. I think overall more than fifty percent of the time probably about fifty one percent of the time we make the right decision and I think. That that's helped us out. I, I we m- many times have decided have decided to stay in the city despite some pressure to move. Right. Um, and it usually happens about about every about once a year that we've reached uh, we, about once a year we reach a level where somebody somewhere says, "All right, well that that was it. That's uh, right. That's the reason why you need to move. Like you've really right. at this point. Okay, this is this caps you. This is it. I mean, right. at first it was." Kind of finding in investment, then it was uh, finding investment at a larger scale, then it was 
trying to hire people who um, you know have this or that prop qualities that you cannot find here and it, it just keeps happening but so far we've made the decision of staying here and uh, no regrets I mean we're, we're very happy with it um, but yeah I, I don't know exactly what the ingredients are that's a that's a great question this is, I mean what I do know is there's very m different ways of making successful companies right. I mean right. I, I think All right. so know, there's really no one good I don't think so. I mean, I, we've seen, I mean, the things that we try to do that I think have worked out for us, be very careful with hiring. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's you worked out for us. You mentioned in our last segment, you know, got to mm -hmm. hire nice people. Yeah, nice people and very competent people. And, and we're really people, careful with hiring. And I think that that's one of those things that just kind of good begets more good. Right. Um, because smart people want to work with more smart people and hardworking right. people want to work with more hardworking right. people, et cetera. So um, we're very careful with hiring. That has worked out pretty well for us. Um, we are this I don't know if it's a good idea or a bad idea but it's what we do we usually take the long term view as opposed to the short term view so whenever there is a decision we think okay what's good for the long term what's good for the short term and sometimes they align and yeah you should just do right, that right. but a lot of times they don't a lot of times it's in the short term we should do this uh, or this is what's best for the short term but this other thing is what's best for the long term we've tried to do what's best for the long term in most of the cases and that has worked out pretty well. In retrospect, we usually are very happy that we did that. Uh, so that that has well, that's been good. I think the other thing is just listening to you talk and watching this company from afar is that you've created a mission-centric we have objective in terms of the work. Yeah, and that really matters. That allows us yeah. to hire um, people that we normally wouldn't be able be able to hire. Um, right. and, you get their and passion for it. Yeah, you know, and bringing it's, the whole self it's to one it. of those things where uh, you know a lot of people talk about uh, millennials, etc. And it, you know, there's know, this weird stuff that I they know. say, but uh, a lot of it is true. Uh, it's it's very strange. I mean, I I would say I am in the tail end of the mm -hmm. of, of of the next of, of the right. previous generation of that. So I don't fully understand some of the things. I mean, when I was growing up. You know, you took a job because they paid you more money. Right. It's just as simple as right. that. You know, that right. job pays me a hundred thousand bucks. That other one right. pays me eighty thousand bucks. Right. I'm gonna go to the hundred. Doesn't right. matter. Doesn't right. matter what it is. Now it just doesn't seem to be like that. I mean, I, I've had conversations with some of the people that we hire here. Um, uh, you know, I, I would say eighty percent of our employees are millennials. Uh, I've had conversations where I sit there and I say, "Hey, you're doing a great job. Congratulations. We've decided to give you a raise mm -hmm. to this much." And they're like, "Wait." How much did I make before? They're not even. They didn't even know that no. this was a race, and you right. thought like, "Oh crap, we shouldn't have given that guy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what were we doing? Uh, but it really is the case. I mean, they just don't. Many of the people here, I mean, are very well compensated, but they don't even know how much they make. They're like, "Yeah, I make enough." Right. And so you've taken money off the table. One of the rules is when you want to hire great people, you take money off the table, the, so you, that they're not feeling. Yeah, with yeah. The, so we're they the people who work here work here because of the mission of right. the company, and so that allows us to hire really great people. I think we've right. we've been able to because of that. And, and but it's it's tricky to be a mission driven company because you have to stick to your guns. Right. And Absolutely. you know, in many cases, um, there's pressure for not quite following your mission. I mean, for example, our mission is really free education. Right. Uh, sure, it would be nice if we could charge one buck for our app. I mean, if we could charge one buck for our app, right. we would we would be swimming in money. Exactly. Uh, exactly. These are these are the types of things, but we stick to our guns with the with being a mission driven company. And, How about fifty uh, cents? Yeah, no, I mean, that's <laughs> the thing. There's, still there's, swimming there's, in money. Oh, right. there, it's it's always yeah. very um, it's very tempting to say, well, if you only did that, you could make this much money. But so we've um, 
we've tried to be a, a mission-driven company this, this whole time. So when you scale up to 100 plus people, it's different than when you had 10, 20. How do you keep everyone keep the culture tight in the line and, and yeah. with that mission? Um, it's it's become a self-sustaining thing. I mean, at first we at first you know we had it, it's really even become more acute. I mean, at first you know we had this mission that we were going to do free language education for the world, but we aren't even all that convinced about that. We kind of like yeah yeah that's kind of what we wanted to do. We hired the first few people who were came to work for us because of the mission. But see, they were more gung ho than us because they they are like oh yeah this is the mission, and so they started kind of you know, self-reinforcing or reinforcing right. each other. And they they became way more gung-ho. And it probably is at the point where right now I say, hey, guys, um, we, you know, we've decided to change our mission to something else. Probably half of them would quit. And it, they just reinforce each other. I mean, it, it's interesting. what happens. I think. So that's pretty interesting, right? Yeah. And so in terms of s steering ahead, everyone knows that's the culture no matter what. Yeah, th there's a lot of self-reinforcement. I mean, we... I think that that has helped, but of course the company has changed a lot from when we were four people to to now. I mean, right. there are a lot of things that we definitely now have some processes which I am not a fan of, right. but we have them. I mean, right. we, for example, we have got to have structure, man. We have to keep receipts for for expense reports. <laughs> oh, that's just, that's the new thing. And that, when I was told that I had to do that, <laughs> I'm like, oh man, we've reached that level. Yeah, that's a problem, right? Uh, but we, so we've had to do you know stuff like that. We you know we had to add a management layer. We didn't have that. I know. Um, so how do you keep yourself in touch with everyone? If you've got some of these layers, I mean, I try to I try to talk to people a lot. Um, I I'm definitely less in touch than I was before. I mean, I used to know like when so and so took their daughter to the doctor or whatever. Right. I don't know that anymore. But I I try to I mean I I try to have dinner here at the office uh, often. People here stay for dinner. Um, I know. Yeah. Right. So we um, not all of them, but some, and I try to do that and that type of thing. So it's, it's great you, where you can connect in and. Sense the temperature out there and see what's what's tugging at people's heartstrings. Yeah, yeah. Do you have um, full team meetings where everyone gets together? We do. Um, we have a, a, a on Fridays we have a thing called a, a Q and A session where basically they get to ask me any question they want, um, and so we have those and it's the whole team and um, there's a usually pretty good discussions and um, and I think people appreciate the fact that I never say I can't speak about that i may say i don't know the answer and it's true right. i may not know right. the answer to something they may ask but i can't i, I never say well, i can't talk about that that's a great way to get that direct line of communication going and to kind yeah, of it really works flat and keep the organization flat that they know that like they can directly talk to you yeah you know, yeah it awesome. has that has that from you know we didn't used to do that at first um and sometimes people were feeling that some of the decisions were being you know done behind their backs or mm -hmm. stuff like that but there was no malice. I mean, some right. decisions just had to be taken. And then we did this. Uh, we started this, and it, it really, I think, it 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 allows people to see what the you know what the thinking is behind everything. And and that matters. That matters. That totally yeah. matters. And then then you get people's buy-in. So then when yeah. there are mistakes and things that happen, people tend to understand and can exactly be exactly. And they're right. like, yeah, well, a mistake was made, but I you know yeah. I I was there. Right. And the the you know, it was a reasonable decision to make with the information we had at the time. Right. So you've, you've grown up in a lot of ways. Uh, the company has definitely grown up right. in, in a lot of ways. Um, but it's, I think it's, um, I mean, I think it's, you know, we, uh, it's funny because we, we hire a lot of people from Google here. Um, 
and to them, this is not a grown-up company. And okay, yeah, they're like, wait, this is like a total startup. No, oh, they really? really, it's very funny. I mean, um, really, they because they like some of the rules and some of the processes. No, it's not that they like it. I mean, they just it's very different. Um, I it's just I you know for example I you know this is so we hired somebody um from 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 Google uh, about a year ago and they were um they were really were um very. Uh, serious, mm-hmm. and you know this is a workplace, etc. And I remember when we moved to this office, they asked me, "So where is the margarita machine going to go?" And <laughs> I'm like, "You, machine. you have been converted. This is, <laughs> you now belong to Duolingo. Great." <laughs> 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 it's right next to beer taps. Yeah, well, we do. We definitely have beer. We do not have a margarita machine, unfortunately. So just just give one piece of advice for someone who's starting a company right now. Yeah, we got about a minute one piece left. of advice. Yeah. This is Louise Von On from Duolingo. In 60 seconds. Um, I would say um, if they are just thinking about starting a company, they should just start it. That's my Do biggest it. piece of advice. I mean, I think that's where most people fail is they, they have an idea for, you know, three years and never end up doing it. And then life takes over and they never get to do it. So biggest piece of advice is just to do it. Perfect. Do it. Louise Von On, Duolingo. You're making Pittsburgh cool. Like, like super you. cool. I mean, this is what I'm talking about, no, It's man. the Ace Hotel that's doing that. I don't know, man. I think it's Duolingo that's doing that. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Duolingo, learn a language, man. Simple as that. Audrey, we're done. Thanks for your hospitality, help, help thank you, hosting Louise. us here at your facilities in East Liberty. What a beautiful setup that you guys have here. Great stuff. Get more Tech Vibe Radio every Friday night on KDKA. This has been Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. We're from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org, and then have an awesome weekend. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.